Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We are doing it live on YouTube. If you want to watch right now, you can watch right now. You may also be listening in your car on what is now tomorrow morning, and that's cool too. Our goal is to give you the show however you want it, whenever you want it, in whatever format you want. And so if you want to look at me and Ari's beautiful faces, here we are. Ari, Big Ten Media Days started on Tuesday. We had Kevin Warren. We had Jim Harbaugh. We had Scott Frost, Kirk Ferentz, PJ Fleck, you name it. The stars were all out. I think the the biggest takeaway for me was Kevin Warren because he got up there like the commissioner of one of the two most powerful conferences in the sport and sounded like it. Yeah. Kind of had a different walk in his step today, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. had that like that like uh that powerful that powerful stride, you know, like, hey, you know, if we want something, we're gonna take it. Um yeah. and I just like you know what I was thinking about all day today during you know, like the day that like Kevin Warren was representing the future of college football. Um, was that like literally 24 months ago, like his approval rating was 0.001. Like everybody oh, hated was, him. Yeah. You everybody know, and every, in the league and outside out of the league. league. Yes. Right. Like it was like a universal hatred towards him for, you know, punting on the season earlier than everybody else. And now it kind of seems like, you know, he is one of the more powerful people in college football and can kind of go on the offensive for the first time in his tenure. So well, I'm very curious about how like the shift of how he's perceived from fans is going to is going to occur um, because I feel like the position of power and the position that he's in has gone from against the ropes. How am I supposed to handle an unprecedented situation to like we're going to gobble up the rest of college football that the SEC doesn't get? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Very interesting because, listen, whoever replaced Jim Delaney was going to be in a position of power. The, the Big Ten has the probably the best collection of brands. I mean, there's a reason they've been making the most TV money. It's not an accident. And I think it's what was interesting with him is talking about the future and, and what happens next. There was a, there was a question he got. I, I want to say it was from Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports where – Brandon had asked him about the rest of the Power Five, which, you know, during the last playoff negotiation when they were talking about maybe expanding the playoff before the the contract ended, Kevin Warren had been big on the idea of the Power Five champions getting automatic bids. And so it was was basically, can you protect the the rest of the Power Five? And he didn't answer the question. It's it's interesting because we talked about Kevin Warren word salad the other day. I didn't feel like he was handing out word salad on Tuesday. I felt like there were times when he would not say what he clearly didn't want out there, which was he got asked multiple times, how much money is this next TV deal going to make? He's not going to tell you that. He's probably never going to say that out loud. They'll leak it to, to Sports Business Journal when the deal is done. But the question that Brandon asked about the Power Five, he had an interesting answer. He was talking about driving back and forth somewhere and seeing these series, or it was when he was at Notre Dame in law school and driving back and forth to Chicago and seeing the big Sears and Roebuck building and how when he was a kid, the Sears catalog coming was the biggest deal in the world and now the Sears catalog doesn't exist anymore. And now Sears and Roebuck is not what it was when most of us were kids. That's his way of saying, don't get too precious about any of this stuff. Right. We're going to yeah. be one of the two. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, kind of like one of those things of, of just the motto of everybody in college football, not just uh, coaches who are, you know, able to adapt and evolve their programs. It has to come from the administrative side, too, in terms of, you know, the position that you're in as a conference commissioner and how you view the league in a few years. And I think the, you know, genius that Jim Delaney was, was that he was always seemingly one step of the game there and always had the yeah. Big Ten in, in a good position and a position of power as it evolved. So, you know, you, you this is kind of the answer and the types of things that you want to hear from the commissioner. It's the type of things that I'm sure that we were anticipating, he would say, you know, in some areas more detailed than others. But, um, you know, the prospect of a further expansion and what this TV deal is going to mean for the conference and, and what it means, I guess, for the rest of college football, I guess, should be secondary issues um, for him in terms of just what can he do to put the Big Ten um, on the same playing field as the SEC in a world where it seems like two conferences are taking over the entire sport. Well, and financially, they're already on the same playing field. In fact, they're ahead of them. It's it, competitively yeah. in, on the football field is, is where you want to catch up. But I actually think they're they're probably working their way there, too. So I, I don't think they're doing anything that they shouldn't be doing. I think they're they're heading in the right direction. The answer I thought it wasn't even an answer. It wasn't a question. This was part of his opening statement. And I thought this was one of the more revealing things he said because it felt like the most honest, again, I keep calling it an answer. It wasn't an answer. It was part of the statement. That, so it was what he planned to say. But one of the most, more honest ways of, of addressing expansion you could. So let's, let's hear what he said about that. And regarding expansion, I get asked every single day, what's next? It may include future expansion. But it will be done for the right reasons, at the right time, with our student-athletes, academic and athletic empowerment at the center of any and all decisions that we will make regarding any further expansions. We will not expand just to expand. It will be strategic. It will add additional value to our conference. And it will provide a platform to even have our student-athletes be put on a larger platform so they can build their careers, but also that they have an opportunity to grow and learn from an education and from an athletic standpoint. So that means we're going to expand if there's something we want. So one, Notre Dame, if, if, if Notre Dame would like to join, I'm sure they're, they're more than welcome. I would imagine the the ACC schools that that they would covet would be the other piece of that because I I, I do think now the further we get away from this, if they'd wanted Oregon and Washington when they went west, they probably would have taken them then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that'll change as time goes on too in terms of like what the what what happens around them um, if they're not the driving force of the next big conference expansion boom. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's exactly what I wanted to hear. It's like, we're going to expand for the right reasons. It's like, feels like I'm watching the bachelor, but, um, <laughs> you know, it just, uh, what, with the right reasons, I think are, are financial reasons and, and positioning in the sport and this new game of risk that is college football conferences, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. they're very, very powerfully situated right now. Um, but like, what is the sec, a, a one move away from taking the upper hand again? You know, and it, it might turn into like a weight room arms race, but just with programs instead of, of new weird waterfalls in the locker room. We got a new pitch shark. Yeah, well, we got USC. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, you know yeah, what a shark is, Ari? Um, I, I th- I'm pretty sure that I, I do, but I'm not positive about it. So why don't it's you tell me? It's the machine that allows you to do squats without putting weight on your back. You, Th- that's not what I thought that was. <laughs> yeah, it's got a little thing that goes kind of into the machine and it. it comes back out so that you don't have to carry the weight on your back. I feel like weightlifting equipment was so 2004. Like now it's like accents in the locker room that I that I get impressed. Oh, well, yeah, now it's now it's the nap water box. features. <laughs> water features are very important. They're very soothing. But no, as far as the expansion piece goes, this if if he I don't think his goal was to put any anybody's mind at ease. If you're the Pac-12, if you're the Big 12, if you're the, if you're Jim Phillips of the ACC, he wasn't putting your mind at ease here. He's saying, if there's something we want, we will take it. Right. And, that, and I think Greg Sankey said something similar last week. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what you have to do when you're on the offensive. So, yeah. you know, it's a very interesting shift in the entire worldview of the way that we perceived and and thought that Kevin Warren would you know, exist in this job, you know, in a two year period. But like he now is one of the two faces. I think that you can make the case that will shape the way that we consume the game for the next 50 years. Yes. He and Greg Sankey are are the people who will do that. And they will also be the ones realistically who will decide the next playoff format. And we got a question Mm -hmm. from Bobby McKay. Didn't Kevin Warren vote against the expanded CFP? Now he wants 16 teams. And that 16 team thing is one of the things that came out of today. But we've heard that a little bit in the in kind of the behind the scenes. So he did vote against it, but he voted against a 12 team format. If he wants 16, 12 was was the option that was on the table. So if he wanted 16, voting against that probably was the move you would make. The the question is, do they actually want 16? And uh, Ari, I, I think if if we're talking about the minimum being 12 and then possibly 16 being on the table, we're talking about more games on campus in the playoff. That's what that means. And I'm and I'm assuming that, that you're all for 16. I, I feel I, I don't know. I feel like there's no number that could be too big for you in terms I of I don't want one playing 16. The reason I like 12 is because five can be forces 12. buys. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want one playing 16 because One's going to crush 16. Two's probably going to crush 15. Now, if you want to give, if you want to throw my own argument back at me on that one, you can, because... I, I mean, I'm just like, actually, my legs are shaking trying to not jump through the microphone as you're saying that. Right. Because like, you're basically my, describing my, my entire... More, yeah, what's my argument? More fun games. More well, fun eight games. Eight nines fun, seven tens fun, six elevens fun, five twelves fun. So it's probably the same amount of fun games, I guess. If they had a one sixteen matchup, like if that actually happened, what do you think would happen more often? A one sixteen uh, beating the the one seed in football or basketball? Oh, uh, it, it would never happen in football, like ever. No, there would be no UMBC Mar- uh, Virginia game that that wouldn't happen. Because it, and what's interesting is is that there are sixteen one rankings in the regular season that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think when you get onto that platform and that team is locked in. It could never happen. And it kind of goes right. to show you the entire, like if you're one of these people of just like any given Saturday, yeah. the the power of focus and mindset when it comes to performing for these college football athletes, I think the hardest job a coach has in the entire world is to get their team up every week for every game. And even if you're playing the, 16, uh, the 16th ranked team, I think that when you are a team that just blows everybody out every week, it's it's hard to even take those teams seriously. But if you play in a playoff atmosphere, 
where you're where you're at danger of losing, then I think the entire mentality, the way that you approach that game differs and it removes the entire probability of an up- upset. So where where's the first competitive game? Is 314 potentially competitive? You know, I mean, I honestly think that if you get the right 16 or the right 15, that you could have a 14 point, 13 point spread, which then would be a competitive game. It's just a matter of whether or not you like what your definition of competitive is. Then, then, Then I might be able to live with that 16 team playoff if that's the case that I just think. You you add some intrigue to the regular season with the buys and also the number one seed not playing the last seeded team or the lowest seeded team. I think that's a, probably a good thing, but I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Tyler, last year, if you go look at the, uh, I mean, I guess I'm trying to find the, the final playoff ranking, but I'll just use the AP poll as an example, but like it would be Georgia versus Louisiana. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that would be rough, but then you'd have Alabama wake forest. That would be rough. You know, I mean, like there are, I'm trying to look at what game would be the best. I guess three, uh, three fourteen would have been Michigan Clemson, which would have been. I would have liked that game. That would have been, you know, and and, and so, the way Clemson was playing at the end of the season, Clemson would have had a shot in that game. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. So if your answer is like, what's the furthest down the list that you can get to get a competitive game? Then I think there will be a lot of years where, I mean, especially in the years where there's only two outstanding teams without a shadow of a doubt. Um, well, you know, I think three fourteen would be your right, answer. Here, Here's your final one. The final CFP would it would actually would have been a, a Michigan Iowa rematch. Now maybe it wouldn't have because you're using you might have some AQs that that knock somebody out. But it would have been Michigan Iowa rematch. Michigan had just crushed Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, you would have had Alabama versus Oklahoma in your first game, which maybe you don't because of AQs. So maybe that's somebody else. Yeah, I was actually looking at the wrong poll. Um, yeah, but, th- but those those uh, games actually would have been interesting because you would have the the two fifteen last year would be a competitive football game potentially if it was a rematch. The two fifteen was not a competitive football game because it was the Big Ten championship. I game know, but if you had a rematch of it the following week or the following two weeks, it certainly could be. I think beating now, a team twice is hard. Georgia Oregon could have been kind of fun. Uh. Cincinnati BYU definitely would have been fun. Notre Dame yeah. Pittsburgh. I like that one. Kenny Pickett's playing in that one. Yeah. Ohio State Utah. Utah that we got the Ohio State Utah game. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. It was. Could you so imagine much that fun. game as a as a playoff game? That would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, it might have gone differently because players would have been playing in it. But like it's uh, um, yeah, certainly fun to look at. Um, because like Utah was the Pac-12's version of Michigan. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. 
So Bobby McKay says more inventory for networks. Networks will pay more for more playoff games. 16 teams would mean it's first and second rounds on campus, correct? I think you're right, Bobby. I think that's exactly what that would mean. Uh, so you get two full rounds on campus. That would be you know, a, a, a round of, of eight games and a round of four games. So you get 12 on-campus playoff games. And the, the, the amount of games you're splitting up to sell in a 16-team in a playoff, you'd be eight plus four plus two plus one. We are a bad at math podcast, but that is 15. Uh, the 12-team playoff would be four plus four plus two plus one. So You know what just occurred to me? 13. Like in a in a 16, because I'm looking at the final playoff rankings right now. And four plus four plus two plus one is 11, by the way. We continue to be a terrible at math podcast. Four plus terrible. Four plus two. Basic I arithmetic. I can't when even When you do. say those things, I don't it's even so listen. Bad. I just, yeah, four plus four plus two. Like, if you do it really fast, like, I bet you your children could do it, but you can't. Um, oh, they definitely There could. isn't a single matchup in last year's final playoff rankings that I wouldn't want to watch because Alabama-Oklahoma would be a fun game to consume. Now, I think Alabama probably would have beat the crap out of them, but you know what occurred to me? Hmm. That there are years where there are teams that have lost two or three times because things get hot at the end of the season. It's like... Does Ala- would Alabama rather play Oklahoma at the end of the year, or would they rather play Utah? Like, Oklahoma was five spots behind Utah, and it's just like, what team would... I think there will be a lot of matchups where really talented teams that were dysfunctional for whatever reason, you know, have lost two or three times and find themselves in the 13 did to 16 range. Did you just talk yourself into a 16-team playoff? No, I think it's possible think that, like, in did. this realm... <laughs> I mean, if, if you're all in on just giving everybody a second chance... It's like Oklahoma's disaster of a season last year doesn't even keep them out of the playoff. Now, obviously, their path to winning a national title is hard, but if Oklahoma ever wanted to win a national championship during a a tremendous season, they'd have to beat Alabama at the end of the road anyway, so who cares if they play them in the first round? If if you're going to do 16 at-larges, I think think I'm here for it. If you're going to have AQs that get the 25th best team or whatever in, and then you're going to have them just be served up as a sacrificial lamb to to the number one seed. I, I don't know that I want to see that. Yeah, or you just make the the top five seeds or however it plays out with the, what the, the conferences look down the road, the top six seeds potentially. But then you can mess up and find a team like Georgia as the mm-hmm. uh, not the nine seed or the or the well they would be the six seed in that scenario. Yeah. Um. But still, like I I mean I guess there are seasons where there are very talented teams that. You know, like that broke through the Spencer Rattler problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at the end of the year, went four in a row. And it's just like, is that who Alabama would rather play rather than the 12th best team, which is Pitt? Here, here's here's a really interesting thing. So, like, you've got BYU-Cincinnati at Nippert. And let's say Cincinnati gets through that one. The winner of Notre Dame-Pitt would head to Nippert the following week, if, if our assumption is correct, and I, I think it would be. Because that's the one thing I heard when I was at SEC Media Days from, from folks behind the scenes was there is a bigger push for more on-campus playoff games. That that you really, if you want to break it down, you really only need to protect the rose and the sugar. You can make the rose and the sugar permanent semis if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that everybody loves the novelty of what that those on-campus playoff games would mean and that there's any possible way that you could work your way into um, you know, some of these other bowl sites or, or different significant games of the past still can maintaining their significance in one way or the other. That'd be great. Like if I were in charge of college football, the Rose Bowl would be the national title game every year. I, you know? I agree. That's that's what I think. But if that's not what they want, you know, they they want to be on the first at two thirty Pacific time 
They want to have the parade. And they they want to do it the way they want to do it. I think there's a way you work the ca- you could work the calendar where you have two rounds of games on campus, and everybody's playing to make it to the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl. And honestly, you get to go to Pasadena or you get to go to New Orleans. That's not a bad deal. Yeah, and I guess if if it's a Rose Bowl. Sugar Bowl semifinal every year, you know, that would be cool too. And it's just like you don't have to have this rotating world of yeah, which don't, games don't are which. Use everything. Don't don't make don't don't make it more complicated than it needs it's to like be. Like right now, I don't even know what the semifinal games are next year or this coming year. I don't even know where they are right now. So there's three years left. This is a uh this is a fiesta and peach year. Semifinals? Yeah. yeah. So it would be it would be cool um, to orient them to. But I also feel like if you are going to go to a position where you're playing 16 team playoff, then you've already blown up the entire world tradition in the sport anyway. So what's the point of trying to keep these around? Just make the calendar work however you need to make it work. I don't know if that means even shortening the regular season by a game or two. I mean, I don't know how they would have to do it mathematically. Well, Again, I, I think a, I know how they're going to do it. I, Greg Sankey has telegraphed that one multiple times they're going to change the clock rules and they're going to say that takes a bunch of exposures out and you're basically removing two games worth of exposures. And and that's what they're going to say. And what they're going to do is their TV partners will be thrilled because their games will fit into windows of three hours and 15 minutes. So what are they going to do? Like no, no stop clock on first downs and stuff. Basically NFL clock rules. Just watch, just watch because that that's what they'll say is this is a player safety issue this takes exposures out, allows you to play more games with fewer exposures, and you don't have people getting as worn out having to face so many snaps. How many offensive game. plays does an NFL team average in a game in comparison to college? Far Is it less? Fewer. Is it way less? Far fewer, yes. Yes, NFL teams, you're talking about 55 to 70 plays a game. 70 okay. is, is on the very high end. So, uh, you and know, in college, it's up in the up in the hundreds, right? Yeah, it's so. not up in the hundreds. We're talking, no, like, you're I'm talking saying like 200. Yeah. Yes, you can run a hundred plays in a college game if you if you do it do it right. If, yeah, yeah. Well, there are a lot of teams that do it better than others uh, based yeah. on the way that they they run their offense. But sure, yeah. Um, I guess that, I think I could buy that. I yeah I. But the thing about it though is it's not just game exposure. Like some of these teams have. I mean, most of these teams have really hard practices. So if you extend the season long longer, you're mm-hmm. still ex- you're expanding exposures in practice too. You are. That's just <laughs> yeah. You're doing the actual math as opposed to what they want you to do. And yeah. and again, they're gonna they're gonna couch as a player safety issue. It's it's also a our TV partners would like us our games to fit into these windows more reliably. Yeah, and that would be fine. I mean, I would be. I mean, I kind of like the world of long ass college games that take forever. I do too. Um, I don't know if I want to watch the YouTube drive through versions of games because they mess with the clock. And I also find that the the first down rule, um, if they do change the rule, I hope that they keep like in the final two minutes, the, the chain stop for first downs, because I think that that would be an interesting like that's one of the more um, everybody loves a, a final minute drive. Right. So like yeah, the fact that you're able to run it. differences between college and the NFL is the clock stopping to move the chains on a first down. You know, I just watched the last drive for Bryce Young against uh, Auburn on YouTube the other day. They yeah. wouldn't have scored if they didn't have the, nope. the clock advantage. So, well, if uh, if Tank had stayed in bounds, well, yeah, we don't need anyway. to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> trust me, I remember very vividly. Yeah, and so does my checking account. Um, <laughs> so, but I, you know, I, Kevin Warren is in a very 
good position here to to basically ask for what he wants. And if he and Greg Sankey agree on enough things, they're they're just going to steamroll everybody else. And I I will say from talking to Sankey last week, he came away from that last meeting with the commissioners in in Utah in May much more confident that they'd be able to hammer something out format wise, which that leads me to believe he and Kevin Warren have found a decent amount of common ground. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I am alone in this, but I was like pretty anti uh, expanded playoff like a few months ago, as you recall very well. Yep. But part of me is kind of just changing my temperature a little bit as a result of the entire sports. Yes. I, I agree. So we, and like, we've just, we've discussed this, like the, the expansion of the playoff, whether you, if you didn't want it before, you might want it now because some of those leagues that would be just relegated and, and, you know, forgotten, they still, they, they would still be included. It would still feel like they're part of the sport. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like 16 would be way too much in the current iteration of the sport. And I still think that 16 is a lot, and the bottom half of those 16 will never win the national title. But if it means we get to watch a few extra playoff games and Alabama gets to play Oklahoma in the first round, then, like, you know what? Right. You know, we get we get a game. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, exactly. I'm, all, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, working my way around it. And if people believe that it would flatten the curve of the talent disparity, then I'm okay with that, too. I don't know yeah. that I buy that, um, but I don't. The one thing that I'll never come around on is that there is a certain special nature to the sport right now where if you are in Alabama or a Clemson or an Ohio State and you get upset or you trip up once or twice that your season is over or is like completely... Twice, you get one. You get one, but if you lose twice, which can happen to very good teams, you're done. And you are basically saying that the current teams right now as the recruiting rankings are indicating, the Clemson, uh, Alabama... Georgia, Ohio State teams, um, and you know that could be changing. Maybe USC's or U- Texas A&M's or whatever. Once they get rolling, um, can never not make the playoff ever. It's like Oklahoma's season last year was terrible, and they would have made the playoff. So it's like you're going to get like oh, of the 16 teams, you know, it's this expanded, it's the expanded uh, playoff world, right? You're still going to get the fatigue of watching the same eight to ten teams make it every single year because their bad seasons don't disqualify them from competition anymore. Yeah, I I just I the flattening the curve part is interesting. I've had ADs tell me they think, you know, if you can hang that banner, it might get you one more guy. It, it might maybe that makes the difference in that person's choice. I don't think anybody thinks that just making the playoff once or twice or being able to make the playoff once or twice is all of a sudden going to put you on Alabama or Ohio State's level. Particularly because the teams that made the Final Four that usually don't make it have never seen a boon in, in recruiting in the years after. Right, right. We haven't seen that. And it's harder to make it in this world. So they're not so, going to hang a banner of the Final Four now, but it's not like Washington's recruiting top 10 classes now because they made it five years ago. Right, and and Oregon, you know, played the national title game the first year of the playoff, had the Heisman Trophy winner, and then yeah. they, they fell off. So it, I don't necessarily think that it is a cure-all for that, but I think it does help deal with some of the issues that are going to arise when all this expansion dust settles and I, there's a realignment dust settles because it's it's not done, as Kevin Warren made very clear on Tuesday. But let's talk about flattening the curve in NIL because you and I and Scott Docterman, we all talked about recruiting in the Big Ten 
on Monday's show. And I, I remember we got a tweet from somebody saying, how did nobody point out Michigan's attitude toward NIL? And the reason I didn't necessarily point that out on the show is because a lot of that is taken from one Jim Harbaugh quote where he said they, they want the decision to, to attend Michigan to be transformational, not transactional. Michigan is doing NIL stuff. They are they are trying, you know, they, they have a obviously very big donor base, very big fan It's my base. understanding that Michigan's donor base is like top five in the sport. It, it is huge. And so Jim Harbaugh got asked about that again on Monday a couple times. One thing he said, he thinks that the players should share in the revenue of the Big Ten, which I think that's going to happen eventually. I think that's that that day is coming. We we had the news that the Penn State players had met basically mm-hmm. with a union organizer. Now that they didn't all decide to unionize right away, but I actually think a lot of the administrative issues going on right now relative to NIL and and transfer portal and all that stuff can be dealt with with a with a CBA for lack of a better term. And maybe you're going to have to share some revenue with the players. Well, that's you guys took the money. <laughs> now you got to figure out how to deal with it. And, yeah. and one way not to get sued into oblivion is to have a CBA. So, do you know how many interesting, interesting from- angles there are financially with all this that are still haven't yet to come? I got asked a recruiting oh, question tons. in the mailbag this week, Andy, of how do uh, teams that are located in no income state, or no state income tax states, mm-hmm. You know, is that an advantage. advantage to them? Yeah. And it's like, I never really considered that. And it's just like, if you are somebody who's getting an $8 million offer from a team in Ohio, and then you're that has state income tax, yep. or you're getting uh, Texas, the same Florida, exact, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. D, that could be what? The difference that's what, 20%? Or how, what I mean, I don't Oregon know what having per- no sales tax? Does that help? I mean, you can go buy your car in Oregon, right? <laughs> exactly not that you're uh, buying but, it but, but god yeah. forbid you try to fill up your own gas tank yeah get, i don't know you get tackled if you try to do that and I, I bet you will get to that point and if you start getting into big enough numbers so like this whole thing of just taxation and revenue sharing and and um unions and all the things that are i mean these are all going to be major talking points and it is just like the passing of the nil rule people thought was like the destination i think it's just the beginning it is just the beginning and and look if you're going to do a $1 billion annual TV deal, these are issues you're going to face. You, you, and, and Kevin Warren made it sound like, yeah, that I expect those issues to come. He got asked about the revenue sharing thing. He said they're, they're you know, expecting to dialogue with players. Uh, he didn't say anything specific about it, and nor would, would anybody until they get a little better idea what's going on. But that's going to happen. Uh, I thought Scott Frost said something interesting. But for, well, first, I thought Jim Harbaugh said something interesting. Somebody asked him about Ryan Day's assertion that Ohio State would need thir- essentially a $13 million NIL payroll to, to maintain an elite roster. Jim Harbaugh says, oh, I think we could double that at Michigan. Now, that's trying to get a jab in at Ohio State, yes, but it, it also feels like a, a deliberate backtracking from what he said in June with the the transformational, not transactional, because mm-hmm. I imagine that is hurting him. On well, I mean, the you're, you're trying to come up with the 10, 10 or 15 reasons that you can come up with that are leading to Michigan's lack of recruiting juice right now. And maybe that's one of them, you know, and it's just like everybody thinks that if Jim Harbaugh says something in a newspaper once and it's like kind of a, a quote that everybody you know runs with or tweets about a lot, that that's going to automatically disqualify them from recruitments. 
It's just a talking point that they're going to have to have with parents. And if they have the right answer when they're talking to them one on one, that's the only thing that really matters. It's not the quotes that they get. They get highlighted. So, um, you know, my hope for them is that they are participating in the in the fullest capacity, um, you know, in the NIL game as everybody else, because if they're not, then it's just like, what are we doing? You know, it's just like you have to do the things that make you competitive. And that is what makes you competitive right now. And, uh, you know, dismissing it or acting like that's not something that's going to be a part of your plan means that you're not taking football seriously. I think it's that cut and dry. We'll be right back after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Scott Frost got asked about it today, and and I don't know that Scott Frost will be able to take advantage of it at Nebraska as much as as the next person might if things don't go well for Scott Frost in the next few months. But I thought his answer was was probably correct. And Steppy, Cedar Rapids Gazette. How important has NIL been with what you've been able to do at Nebraska and the transfer portal? Yeah, I think it changes our model a little bit. Um, Nebraska is going to be one of the best places in the country for NIL. There's so much fan support. There's so much interest. There's so much passion around it. And a, a lot of uh, businesses and people in Nebraska have really given our, our current players a ton of opportunities already. Uh, I expect that to even grow as we go forward. And the attraction at NIL has certainly helped us uh, add some pieces to our team and I think will going forward. So I, I think he's right about that. I, I don't know that necessarily he will get to reap the fruits of all of that. But it, it, is Nebraska very similar to, to Tennessee and Texas A&M in this situation? Ari? We've talked a ton about them, uh, about Tennessee and Texas A&M in terms of NIL. But it feels like Nebraska is kind of in a similar place where the, there is money and passion for sure, but not the results that they wanted. I think there's got to be like a scale or a graph that isn't just about how much money or how many business opportunities that these guys have in the, the local area. I also think that there's like a, a correlation between money and also desperation. Like it goes up together at the same time. Exactly. That's what, so like yeah. if you put Nebraska into that, I think that I would put it's Nebraska like the crazy the hot same. matrix. 
Yeah, I would just put Nebraska up there with with Texas and uh, sorry, Texas oh yeah, A&M Texas and is another Tennessee one. Yes, and Texas yeah. too. Like, I mean, yeah. all of them are like desperate to make the playoff and to be taken seriously. And you know, and if you look at all of those teams, everybody's a it's a butt of the joke, even when they have their successes. It's like, oh, Texas just got Arch Manning. Well, they lost to Kansas. Uh, A and M just signed the best class of all time. Oh, well, eight and four. You know, they go eight and four every year, so it's not going to matter. Yeah. And then. You know, Nebraska does this, and it's like, oh, they weren't relevant since 1995. And Tennessee is the the Shiano stuff. Like, I mean, everybody's got a butt of a joke. And I feel like fans that that root for teams that have such a storied history and a passionate fan base, I don't necessarily think that it's always about the amount of opportunity. It's it's about how desperate people are to donate um, yeah. or to do the things they can in order to to support these these athletes. And I do think that there's no question that Nebraska fits that mold of like. We want to be really good, really bad. You know what I mean? And at the same, it, it also feels like a good transfer portal destination, if sure. that makes sense. Because you're looking for different things that second recruitment. And so, let's say maybe you were you were at one of those elite programs. You didn't. You weren't quite good enough to crack the starting lineup. You're just looking. Okay, where do they take this seriously? Where can I get developed and scouted in the you know to get in the NFL? You're going to go to that campus and see they take it very seriously. Yeah. And you're going to be like, okay. And then they're going to say, if you blow up here, you stand to make a lot of money and set yourself up. Yeah. And I'm still kind of interested about like how much the portal is going to impact teams um, moving forward in terms of a competitive standpoint, you know, and, and obviously these second recruitments are super competitive as they already stand. But like, in your opinion, how much can a team truly transform itself by utilizing the portal? Like if you were a coach at a place like Nebraska, how, like what percentage of your roster would you even want to get out of the portal? I still would want to get most of my roster out of high school because I'd want to establish my own culture and then just try to plug and play in, in spots of need. And I realize that's, that's not always going to work, especially, you know, we, we've talked about certain positions are way more plentiful in the portal. Like you're not going to find a lot of impact offensive tackles in the portal because frankly, there just aren't that many of them. And those are the types of people that when they get where they are, they're happy. They're not leaving. Well, and yeah, they're so, not pre bananas from the beginning. You know, they're not it, on the, exactly. That's just not their deal. But also, too, uh, offensive tackle is a very easy position to evaluate, too, which has nothing to do with like if you're a receiver, you might want a quarterback who can put the ball on the money or as you correct. Know, well, if you're an offensive tackle, it's mano a mano and you're, you're beating the or, shit or out of each other. Or if you're a quarterback, who, which they're yeah. plentiful in the portal. The offense you run is going to sure very much dictate how successful you can be based on your skill set. Yeah, but I'm just like wondering if there's ever going to be a day where a coach signs half of his roster or more out of the portal every year. Like, could you could you assemble a team that wins its Power Five conference doing it that way? Well, I, I think Lane Kiffin might be headed toward that. He direction. did it a ton. We'll how many? How many did he just get? Like eleven? It's it's close to half. Uh, Mel Tucker, I think they got. A, a good amount out of the portal last year. Now they they yeah. are trying to do it through high school for sure, and and then spot recruit out of the portal. But they did a really good job scouting the portal and and because we pay so much attention to fit. all the all the Jordan Addisons that are in the portal. But who are the right. the unite uh, like the Kenneth Walkers that are in? Well, there that's right what I was going to say. People aren't who knew who Kenneth Walker other other yeah. than Wake Forest fans. Who who knew Kenneth Walker coming out of the portal last year? Yeah, and if and it's just like, is what Mel Tucker did in the portal when he got Walker a sustainable skill, or is that like getting lucky? 
because like I still question how much a coach actually has um, in terms of evaluation at his fingertips in order to make those decisions. So it's just like, when does the evaluation well, process start? Like, how thorough of an evaluation does a coach actually have when he takes a kid out of a portal? Is game film? It's interesting. So I asked uh, Adam Fuller, Florida State's defensive coordinator, about this today. I was up in Tallahassee talking to to some some folks at Florida State, and he was talking about because they they were very active in the portal the last couple of years. And I'd asked him about recruiting Jamie Robinson, who is the their nickelback, who they got from South Carolina as a transfer last year, and he said. There's tons of game tape on him. And then because he's recruited South Georgia before, he's like three phone calls and I've got a lot of information on him. He's like, it really depends on. Well, what if a guy stinks? It's just, you just go off the game film, I guess, right? Then you don't, you don't take him. Like another guy they took was Jared Verse. And, and they knew who Jared Verse was because they played Syracuse and Albany where Jared Verse was had played Syracuse and he jumped off. Like they're, they're watching and they're like, who is this guy? And so they kind of had a, an, an inkling of who he was, as did other teams that had played Syracuse last year. And when he goes into the portal, like the sirens going off at those programs, mm-hmm. like get on this dude now. And and so yeah. Florida State had to fight off a lot of people to get him. But it's I like, think- what about the guys that don't have a ton of game time and the reason why they're transferring is because they were stuck behind somebody on the depth chart. And that, they were that, in the program. I, you got you got to be able to get some inside info from somebody who was on the staff at that school. Yeah, and then how how willing are staff members at that school willing to to well, think help about you out? How on often that. these jobs turn over, Ari? Yeah, they might no, not be true. at that. School they might now. not be at the school anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean so you got to do your due diligence, but it just always yeah, seems like kind of with your friends of friends and all that. Because how long do these recruitments last for on average? Ten days, three days, two days. Some of them are very short. It's like they hit the portal and then four days later they're on a, I mean, three days is shorter than I would think the average is, but maybe it is three yeah. days because they got to visit these places too. So, yeah. um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a really crazy world of rosters. But, uh, but I will assembly. say that, that Mel Tucker's answered your question, I think by, by his actions. Yeah. He does not strike me as a person who intends to build out of the portal for long. Yeah, it was like the thing that you it was like the match you throw into the into the gasoline and you hope that it carries you into something better in the yeah, he, high school he ranks. He clearly wants to take highly rated high school players. Well, I haven't heard a single coach say I would rather focus on the portal than high school. I think that every single coach is still focused on high schools. No, but I think different levels might. I, I talked to Jake Spravitt all at Texas State when yeah. they went almost all portal. And now that was coming off the pandemic and there was actually a reason. Was that when that they had signed zero players in a class that year? Was that they them? signed zero high school or they might have signed one high school player by the, yeah. by the end of it. But they, they there were a ton of guys in the portal who had four years of eligibility remaining. So it was essentially like signing freshmen. Yeah. So, yeah, that was and I, that and was I, why I actually, you know, I need to be better about this on the show. But like, I think like from a power five perspective, like I just don't know. If there's a, you know, and I'm not saying that Texas State's not important. I'm saying that my yeah, yeah. mind was. It's a different was, circumstance. Yes. 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 Like, I, I don't know if I've heard a power five coach say, hey, you know, we'll do our best in high school. But our our real bread and butter is going to be when we can sign 25 guys out of the portal in a given cycle. Well, so we're talking about Big Ten media days right now. And I like I can't think of anybody in the Big Ten who would say that. Yeah, I can't. I, I just, I've, not, I've never no. heard it. Like unless like, there's Rut, some, Rutgers wouldn't like Shiano at Rutgers wouldn't say that he wants to get the best players in New Jersey. So and, he's and like he, the last person who would say that. Yeah, because he's so reliant on in-state talent. Loxley is a Loxley's always been a good recruiter at Maryland, so he's yeah. not going to say that. 
So I, yeah, I'm just trying to I, think I of like what program would be best served trying it in the Power Five. Right, well, Oregon Ole Miss State? is the one trying it. Ole Miss is the one trying it. And Ole Miss got some dudes. They did. I mean, they, I mean, I think they're going to remember the Ole Miss campaign. Don't forget. Transfer to the SIP. It was no me and you. We're, we're, we're oh yeah, yes. Ole Our Miss campaign the, for them to be to undefeated the by the Alabama game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm not optimistic there, Ari. Uh-huh. Uh, not not optimistic. I, I, I want to answer a question that Lester Lee uh, asked on the YouTube stream. Can an NIL deal ban a player from transferring? So I've seen the deal for the $8 million player. And I would argue that it effectively bans a transfer because it requires consecutive enrollment at a four-year institution. Uninterrupted enrollment, I think is the word. I, I think is the exact phrasing. But basically, the moment you aren't enrolled in a four-year institution the contract is null and void or can be declared null and void. And they can make it vague under those circumstances because they don't list these specific institutions. Well, and if you want to transfer, you have to withdraw from one and then you're and and that's then it. enroll yeah. in another. And once you withdraw from the one, it's over. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's and but the most interesting thing about this is, is that a lot of people are signing contracts from what I understand that are six years long and then their, their rights um, as a for their name, image, and likeness, because name, image, and likeness isn't a college concept. You have a name, no. image, and likeness in the pros too, and I don't think people understand we, that. We do. We can, I have a name, image, and likeness. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if you sign a deal for six years, that means that they don't care where you go. You could, if you sign an, if you're a five star prospect who signs an NIL deal with Maryland, and then you transfer to Texas, but you signed a six year deal, and then you're a first round draft pick out of. Well, let's actually use a place where you could be a first round draft pick. Um, oh, that's <laughs> okay. Okay. Was that was that Ooh. brutal? Is that going to be the promo? Not wrong. Nah, probably not the promo. Okay. Not yeah, wrong. Because that'll get people fired up. But let's just say Georgia. And then you get yeah. drafted in the first round. Your name, image, and likeness rights go to that that collective or whoever signed you for two years into the pros. You know how lucrative that is? And a lot of well, times, and, too, and even if it's not. Stay, and I, I've had somebody from a collective say, you know what? I haven't decided yet if I care if this person transfers. Yeah, because if they go to a higher profile school with more <laughs> opportunities and you get a larger percentage of their income. Right, because the one set up as marketing agencies, if you can still make them money, they can still it's make marketing money. agencies a marketing agency. Yeah, uh, Jason asked, since it's illegal to to make an NIL contract before the player signs, doesn't that make the contract unenforceable based on it not being legal? Well, no. The one I read, the the player we believe is a high schooler in California. High school players in California can sign NIL deals. That's a perfectly legal contract. Yeah. So. And this is a perfect example, by the way, of why you should watch it on YouTube if you're on the fence about it. Because if we're having a conversation and you're into that conversation and you want to be a part of it, we get to you. And you better get to you get get into the channel before it gets too much to to do, because right now you can totally get in here. That's right. That's right. We're blowing up now. I I did want to talk a little more about on field stuff and and a topic that you and I have discussed a few times this offseason on the podcast, because I I just Northwestern Harbaugh's. Well, Northwestern, it's an even year, so that's it's. This is the time that that you watch the out Northwestern for the listener that got mad that we didn't talk about them on the last show. I just wanted to make sure we said the word Northwestern on this show. We 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 have said Northwestern, and look, they they play Nebraska in Dublin, which I can't wait for that game. We watched Nebraska Illinois last year together, 
I feel like we should we should do that. We should find a place to meet up and watch Nebraska in Week Zero every year. Can Nebraska schedule a Week Zero game every year? Should be, yeah. That was highly I'll, entertaining. I'll go anywhere. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. This year, I want to have a broken ankle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think you <laughs> had you broken it that morning. It was that day. Yeah. It was an yeah. hour and a half before you came over. Yeah. Good lord. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit on the field. So Jim Harbaugh got asked about his quarterbacks. And I know how you feel on this subject, but I want you to hear his answer because I, I mostly I just want to see your head explode. How do you foresee that continuing as they go into this year? Well, last year uh, made it work. Both uh, both had phenomenal seasons. JJ and his his true freshman year, Caden his junior year, uh, both played outstanding, winning football every time they went out there. A really cool stat on Cade McNamara is over 50% of his drives end in points. And I don't know exactly what the number is for J.J., but seems like every time he got in there uh, and let it drive, it ended in points as well. Um, both really good. You know, they ask sometimes, you know, at other positions, who's going to play? I mean, the best player is going to play. We're going to know who the best player is by who plays the best. Kate McNamara is going to be really tough to beat out uh, for the starting quarterback job. J.J. McCarthy is going to be really tough to beat out for the starting quarterback job. He's just messing with you at this point. Like when he said Cade McNamara is going to be really tough to beat out for the starting quarterback job, I'm like, is he saying it? And then he goes, J.J. McCarthy is going to be really tough. And I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, the second that quote started, I had to like slap myself in the face so I didn't fall asleep. But, um, you know, <laughs> that's the most Harbaugh quote of all time. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, listen, do you think that Michigan is situated in a position where they can win a playoff game this year? Yes or no? no. And, I'm, and I'm extending an olive branch to, to Ralph Russo here for the fourth time in a row. Jeez. Um so if you think that one person gives you a, a chance to duplicate what you did last year more than the other, then go with that person. If that person is McNamara, then it's McNamara. My only thought always has been that you want a, a dynamic playmaking quarterback um, on that field when you play Georgia next time. And to go to that person sooner to get their development clock started you know, would be a very, very advantageous thing for those teams, especially because J.J. McCarthy isn't just some guy who hasn't played. I mean, he's played quite a bit. He's made some pretty big mistakes in the Michigan State game we watched together last year. But a hell of a lead block in the Big Ten Championship yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, like, the guy the guy certainly has an it factor, and it's like... Also Michigan a very good throw in the Michigan State game for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Not, let's, let's not act like I mean, like but he, he lost he the game for them in the day. Michigan State, right? Like, I mean, the Michigan State game was that fumble that he had kind of cost him the game a little bit, but... I'm not saying it's his fault, but that that was a pivotal mistake, um, and I understand wanting to avoid those things. But it's not like JJ JJ. What was I went to the, see the kid in high school three years ago now, so it's like he's he's not a little freshman that can't play anymore. So it's like if he's a dynamic talent who was developed the right way, then I think it's asinine that he wouldn't play. But you know, I understand too that you know coaches get put in really difficult situations that when you achieved a lot of success with somebody the year before, it's really hard to throw them aside. You know, but you know it's a it's a tough game out there. And as we go into the NIL or NIL world, I wonder too if we're going to start treating it like San Francisco just did with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, what did they do? You know, they got Lance. Him pretty pretty deep into the playoffs with him, and it's like, you know what? Our franchise is moving in a different direction, and 
You know, as players gain more power and more financial stability as a result of the current climate, they got to stop treating them like kids. They're, they're employees to yeah. a certain extent. And, and if they certainly get to a point where they're, you know, making money off of the collective bargaining agreements that they might hypothetically set up, then all of a sudden we don't have to talk about hurt feelings anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I about, don't think we have to talk about hurt feelings now. Well, we I, do I think at some that places. level. We don't. I don't, I don't think we do. Why I, is I think it so, why is it so hard to get rid of the guy that was so good the year before then? I watched Urban Meyer struggle with getting rid of Cardale Jones, and it ruined their final. I watched uh, Dabo Sweeney not struggle with it. Yeah, no, I know. And what happened? Uh, they won the national championship. So we'll see what happens with Harbaugh, but like, there's a lot of coaches who are loyal to a fault. It's like, I mean, Justin Fields left Georgia because you're you you know you're too loyal to, to Jake Fromm. So, you know, it's... Um, and Jake Fromm led him to the national title game, didn't he? he so. Did. You know, how do you get rid of the guy who led you to the national title game? I don't know, by putting the guy in who's going to win it. Well, I believe that's what Nick Saban did at halftime. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it's a, it's more of a temperament of the coach thing, you know. Yeah. But, like, would it be that big of a story? I mean, it would be a huge story for Michigan, but would it be that sh- big of a shock if the five-star guy who played half the time last year anyway was the starting quarterback this year? No, I don't think it would be a shock at all. I, and, and I understand where Harbaugh's coming from. You want to have them both on the roster. You want to have them both available to you, but... You know, if one is clearly better than the other, then you make that decision. I, I, I would, I would suspect that he doesn't feel that way. Like the one that bugged me the most, I think, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Remember the Texas is back game, the Texas Notre Dame game. Mm-hmm. So Brian Kelly had spent the entire offseason saying that Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire were just neck and neck, you know, right, right, one in one a. And you go into that game and you watch Deshaun Kaiser just throwing laser beams all over the field. And then Zaire comes in and it looks like a completely different deal. It's like, what were you watching? And there's no way these two guys looked equal in practice. No way. So you better mean it if that's what you're if if you're going to do that. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's sort of like the Urban Meyer when he was the Jags coach, like having the cockamamie Trevor Lawrence Gardner Minshew competition like no we're not stupid you drafted trevor lawrence first he's the starter like yeah. we know you're trying we know you're going to trade Minshew eventually so stop with the charade yeah no i it would be a relief if we could get to that point um and i am always for playing the person i mean it's like always about where you're at in in your program's development too. Like you have to take that stuff into account. And like last year when I looked into, and I was obviously wrong. Like if you look at it in hindsight now, it's like, but like coming into last year, Michigan was in that do or die or Harbaugh was in the do or die phase. Um, he has this five-star freshman on the team. They weren't supposed to win the big 10. You play the freshman, you might lose a game or two. And you know, McCarthy comes into this year with all those guys coming back. They have offensively as a starting quarterback. Like that makes sense. Well, but like I, now I, that I they won the big to, 10 and kicked Ohio state's ass, it's like, I look like an idiot, but at the same you have time to look at too, it holistically though, like when you have Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo and, and you can get yeah. after the other team's quarterback like that, you may want to go more conservative on offense. Did Cade McNamara make a single identifiable throw in the Ohio state game that won them or that won them the game? It was the only time in Ohio state well, loss I've seen in, there, in I was going to say there was no throw that won them the game because they just steamrolled them. That's what I'm saying. Like, have you seen a quarterback beat Ohio State or win a game of that magnitude without ever being put in a situation to make a play? No. He didn't I mean, have to I make watched, a play. I watched so Trevor Lawrence do it in the Fiesta Bowl, but that, <laughs> that required some some heroics by Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. And I was also the same guy of just like, what are they going to do with the quarterback position in Georgia? And they win the national title. So I'm not yeah. saying that start the freshman or or go with a five-star so, guy. So the general rule of thumb is if you have a defense that can positively destroy the other team's offensive line, you can be fairly conservative in your quarterback choice. Yeah, but the problem is is that when that offensive cons- that conservative offensive choice runs into one of those defenses, you get the Georgia and Michigan game. That's exactly right. Which actually so, doesn't make any sense because Georgia scored a lot against Michigan, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do get what I'm Also, there's a chance that Stetson Bennett may just be good. Yeah, maybe he'll be maybe good. Maybe we could admit that. Yeah. So, but I don't I know. Do it, think it, that, it pains me, but maybe we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Because it might, star, the stars didn't matter as much in that case. I don't know. Oh, Baker well. Mayfield was a former walk on and he got, he was the number one overall he pick in the NFL Baker draft. Baker Mayfield so. was a walk on? He was? <laughs> I had no idea. Were, were were Tim Tebow and Riley Cooper roommates? I don't know. I didn't cover that. Oh wait, team. they were. Was Brock Osweiler six foot eight? <laughs> he just doing all the the cliches. Um, That's it. Yeah. There you. I knew you were going to get it eventually. No, so, I, no I, I got what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really just wanted to play that clip just because I knew it would generate some and i don't know bile what, if we're allowed to preview but like thursday we might be having conversations like this a little bit more thoroughly so we we need to preview this because i so we've got ryan day going on wednesday what's he gonna say what does he need to have a, a message a mission statement or I, I i saw you know some of the ohio state beat writers and the and the their fans were joking around and the fans were like can you ask him why why or how are they not going to be soft this year and so will he get that question maybe if i were there <laughs> excuse me ryan how can you make them less soft i mean it's an elegant way to ask it but sure last year you guys got pushed around in the trenches a little bit more than you would have liked um was that a um, trait for your team a year ago based on what you guys analyzed in the offseason and how can you improve toughness if you find that to be be the case it's a nice way of asking it but i think an effective way um you know the thing that i was always interested about with ryan day because he is like the nicest guy um but like i always wondered if like if they started winning enough or if they got to a point enough where he would like turn heel himself you know like because it doesn't take very much but like if you're like going to be sitting at your computer waiting for Ryan Day to reinvent the wheel tomorrow, then you're or on Wednesday, and then you're you're wasting your time because he'll get up there and he'll be diplomatic, and you know he he might say some good things, and you know hey we're focused on beating Michigan and getting back on track and all the stuff that you say, but he's never going to be somebody that is a headline on the athletic. I don't think unless it's all right, hard well, news. Let, let me let me ask you this. So you that you phrase that question very well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to you. What's the one question you would ask James Franklin tomorrow? James, what is it that you believe that you need to improve in your program based on the contract that you just got and how much pressure do you feel as a as a coach in a position being paid what you are or something of that nature? Would I think you ask the, cor- the same thing to Mel Tucker? Yeah. I think they I think they're both I think they're both in the same position of top five compensated coaches in America who have yet to prove they're worth that much money. And I'd be very curious to know like what their take is. And I think I know exactly what Mel Tucker would say. I mean, he's trying to be the living embodiment of that right now in terms of the way that they've shifted their recruiting process. But like, what, what does James Franklin say? And I bet you James would probably take that more personally if I asked it. I would have to reformulate. How, I mean, I'd write it down and edit how I would ask it in a nice way without trying to come off as an asshole. Um, 
but I would be very curious of like, does he feel a certain elevated responsibility to more s- significant results as a result of the contract contract extension that he just accepted? See, it's I think it's, a nice it's interesting because it. I, I I would think the guarantee of it and the length of it would take pressure off rather than put pressure. Yeah, on. maybe maybe that's the case. But I think if that's the case, then you got you hired the wrong. I mean, you did that with the wrong person. I feel like like if I got. If the athletic gave me twice as much money tomorrow, I would feel a certain pressure to perform twice as good. And maybe that's impossible because I try the hardest I can I, I right think now. All but of like, these people, once they get to that level, all feel that way. Yeah, maybe even so. regardless of salary. I mean, so you don't think anything has changed in James Franklin's mind or Penn State's mindset as a result of that? It was just a well, business Penn, transaction that Penn locked State him up. Has said, Penn State has said we are in the James Franklin business long term. That's what Penn State has said. Like, yeah. there, there's, there's no. There's no misreading that. That's the only thing that can mean. It's the only thing Michigan State can mean. They are in the Mel Tucker business long term. All right, let me uh, me throw a couple more at you. That's what that means, but it's also like we also don't want to do a coaching search for a while, so leave me alone. Exactly, which good or bad, well, either way. All right, you have one question for Jeff Brom. Purdue's Jeff Brom. What are you asking? Are you going to be good or bad this year? Because it's either one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) it's either going to be like impressively great or like truly awful and i don't know which one it's going to be is there a year correlation if if they can beat penn state week one we're going to be talking about them all through september and probably most of october aiden o'connell will be getting that heisman hype yeah he'll be putting up numbers i think purdue's going to be a very different team this year because they don't have carloftis and they don't have david bell but yeah i mean they had honestly purdue probably seven of their conference games last year had the best player on both sides of the ball. Like how many often, to, how often can you say that? You're not Purdue? saying it that often. You're right. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Well, it is going to be fun. I am glad talking season is in full swing. We have a lot to chew on these days. And Ari, this is really close. I believe five Saturdays away. Can't wait, man. From, from Nebraska, Northwestern and Dublin. Yeah, Let's we're, we're, where are you going to be that weekend? I think we'll have to figure it out. We're going to maybe meet up at a neutral site. You come to my yeah. house this time. I'll yeah, try to I'll break my ankle house. before maybe we meet start. you in Atlanta. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get that figured out, but but somebody's bringing bacon burn ends. That's all I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got Stars Matter on Thursday. On Friday, we'll judge Andy Ari versus Ralph Russo of the Associated Press. Ralph Routine, I'd say what, what, three, four times a week, text us both yelling at something you said? Make me a promise, though, dude. Okay. Come in with an open mind. I always have an open mind, Ari. Okay. Because, like, I knew I was going to lose to Antonio when we started. I could just tell. But, like, I do not want to lose to Ralph. Well, well, you will just have to perform well. You'll have to make your arguments and make 48 hours in advance of recording this thing, and I already have a, a pit in my stomach ready to go berserk so tune in on thursday because i'm going crazy the roku remote of justice will decide <laughs> yes stars matter on thursday ari and mitch light you can yell at him I'll talk to you later